Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. It was one of the biggest education developments of the 2021 legislative session. Lawmakers turned down a $6 million a year federal grant that would have supported early education efforts around the state. When lawmakers adjourned on May 12th, a bill authorizing the grant was left on the House calendar. So what happens now? This week, I sat down with Beth Oppenheimer, the executive director of the Idaho chapter of the Association for the Education of Young Children, to talk about next steps. Well, Beth, thank you for taking the time to catch up with us uh, this week. So you've had a couple of weeks to reflect on the 2021 session and the House vote on the early education grant. What happened? What happened? Well, uh, we didn't get across the finish line yet, yet. Um, you know, this it was really interesting how all this panned out, and really everything came out of the blue. Uh, we, when we were awarded the renewal grant, and we can talk about the history if you'd like, um, when we were re, uh, awarded the renewal grant on January 1st, 2021, the legislature started on January 11th. Right. Uh, you know, this was a grant that didn't technically have to go in front of the legislature. But we, out of good faith, said, you know what, all of these federal dollars are coming in um, with different focuses and different purposes. Let's go ahead and, and put it in front of the legislature and get buy-in with the legislature. Uh, so we did. And, uh, of course, things came out of the blue unexpected. And, unfortunately, at the end of the day, we're, we're still hanging there wondering what's going to happen um, in the future. So... Uh, it's it's really, and we've talked about this before, devastating is the word that comes to my mind when we talk about this opportunity for Idaho and, and the impact that it could have had. When did you first realize that the grant was in trouble? The first time that I had any inclination was when the grant first went to JFAC. And that first JFAC meeting, I was invited to answer questions, and I was ready. I was ready to answer any <laughs> budget, uh, activities, anything. And uh, the, the question that came up first was Representative Giddings. And she asked the question, uh, she said, I don't know too much about this organization, but I've been looking at the website, and there is a picture of Luke Malik on the website mm -hmm. and I kind of went oh and out of the blue and she said why why is he on your website and I said oh well that is because um, he uh, not he but we have a step up Idaho campaign which is part of the preschool development grant activity and that is a campaign to raise awareness about businesses, about individuals, families, early childhood educators that are stepping up to quality to not only support early childhood education, but also support families. And in 2019, the Malik Smith Law Firm um, collectively came together and they started offering parental leave to their families within their law firm. So we've been celebrating that business for a couple of years because we know that family leaves really does have an impact on child development and whatnot. And so when we launched this campaign, they were one of the first businesses, not thinking right. anything about it. And as a matter of fact, I think that we 
launched that right around the same time that Luke Malik decided to announce his candidacy for lieutenant governor. And so we didn't think anything about it. So when that question was asked, I thought, huh. And then she did a follow-up and said, so how much of this preschool development grant funding is going to support Luke Malik? And I remember there was, it was a pose, and, and, the, and the chairman said, Right, there was an objection to, to the there question. There was an objection, right. sorry, yes, it, there was an objection to that. And, um, and the chairman said, you know, you don't have to answer that. And I said, no, 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 I'd like to answer that. And I said, no, uh, none of these dollars will be going to support individuals, businesses, anything. It's just a campaign. That, to me, was, huh, there's something weird happening here. And I don't know where this came from, and I don't know what's happening. And then the rest is, is kind of history. I know you were... Uh concerned over the course of the session because you feel like there was a lot of misinformation mm -hmm. about the grant and about AEYC. Mm -hmm. Do you want to elaborate on any of that? Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it's really unfortunate that this rhetoric, if you will, superseded the actual grant and the actual activities. and very little was known about all of the different things that these dollars were going to go and support, primarily families. Um, and we did that purposely. And unfortunately, there were things coming out of the woodwork. And honestly, I think that we were probably the guinea pig because we saw it happening. They kind of said, okay, let's try it here around the social justice theory, critical. I, I don't even, I, I didn't know what that meant at the time. And to be honest with you, I still really don't know what that, what it means. And so it, um, I think that they, they tried it out on us and it gained a lot of momentum and, and went forward and you saw what it did with higher ed and K through 12. Right. I was going to say, I mean, you were part of a bigger debate at the legislature. That's part of a bigger debate that's happening nationally yeah. about critical race theory and social justice. Does it fundamentally change the way you have to present early education in Idaho. It doesn't change anything that we do because those the, what we, we weren't doing those things to begin with and had no intention of doing those things to begin with. So it doesn't necessarily change anything that we do. I will say that it has raised a little bit of awareness and um, when we're talking about things and things like diversity and equity and um, you know, I hear these conversations with colleagues across the country and, and partners here in Idaho. Um, it, I, I'm always a little bit hypersensitive to it now. Um, but again, it doesn't change, it will not change anything that we do because we don't do those kinds of things that they say that we're doing. So. But does it change the way you think early education is perceived in the state? I mean, does it change the framing of... You know, I think that's a good question. I don't know that it changes the way that early childhood education is perceived in this state because it just, it, it doesn't fit. It doesn't, you know, we're not having critical race talks in classrooms with children. I mean, Idaho AYC, we don't teach children directly anyway. Um, and so I, I just don't see a lot of that happening. So I. I think that there are a lot of obviously perceptions out there of what's happening in early childhood or K through 12 or higher ed or whatever, but um, it 
I, I can't see that it will change too much of, of what we're doing or how it's thought of. You alluded to it at the outset that you didn't need legislative approval for the grant. You didn't get legislative approval for the grant, but where does that leave things right now? I mean, is the grant dead? Is it in kind of a limbo? Are you looking at ways to to access the, the funding despite what happened at the legislature? So there's a lot of unknowns right now, unfortunately. I wish that I had an answer. Um, you know, at this point, I, I don't necessarily see a path forward because it did go in front of the legislature and it was killed uh, and it was left on the calendar. So I, I, I think the governor's hands are tied at this point. I think everyone's hands are tied. We are having conversations at the federal level to see if there's any other option. Um, this grant was awarded to Idaho via the State Department of Education. Um, and so we can't go back and change that. We can't go back. They don't have a way to do that. I mean, <laughs> they said to us, no state has ever spent this much time, money, and energy applying for something that they turn around and give back. That's never happened. So they're in just as much of a, of a uh, you know, conundrum as, as we are because they, and they're at the same time, they're being very flexible. And they said, you know, this is a three-year grant based on a three-year grant. Um, this first year, we will be as flexible as we need to, and, and you all just continue trying to see if you can figure this out. So we're going to keep spinning our wheels and, and seeing if there's anything that we can do, but, um, you know, unless, it, unless they come back in session and bring it up, I, I, I don't know what else that we can do at this point. So what doesn't get done in the meantime that you would have started to work sure. on with the grant funding in place? So remember, Kevin, that um, the original preschool development grant, that mm -hmm. was a one-year grant, um, that the whole mission and goal of that grant was to do planning. So that was a one-year planning preschool development grant. Right. That allowed us, that gave us $3.3 million as a state, that allowed us to start building this foundation of activities and projects that the renewal would help to implement. Mm -hmm. So for instance, we spent the first year doing a statewide needs assessment. Right. We've never done a statewide needs assessment in early childhood. And so that in and of itself was a tremendous use of funds because it really gave us some data and perspectives that we had never had before. Uh, we also gave us an opportunity to do a statewide strategic plan around early childhood. And remember, too, that this grant is not necessarily designed to build preschool, if you will, like the name would suggest, and, and, and it had been in the past. This was to look at existing systems, look at existing programs, where are those gaps, where are those opportunities, and how we're effectively helping families with children birth to age five. So we started doing a lot of um, professional development. We also started laying the groundwork for what we call local collaboratives. And local collaboratives was a design um, in response to the legislature. You know, for years and years, we went down this path of we need state-funded preschool, we need state-funded preschool, and it was no, no, no. So a couple years ago, we said, well, that's not going to happen. 
let's look at flipping that's on, on its head and building a bottom-up approach and really helping communities design and become an early learning community. Mm -hmm. If that includes a preschool, great. If that includes expanding childcare, great. If that includes more supports for parents, you know, all of these different things that they could be doing. So last year gave us the ability to really do some foundational supports for these communities. Every single one of them did a local needs assessment and strategic plan. So these dollars were going to help directly and indirectly support those the, the, the movement that these local communities have made and implement that strategic plan so help them reach the goals that they, they put forward last year. So the plan would have been to go from what you found in the needs assessment mm -hmm. to, okay, here are areas that we know we have needs, let's see if we can mm -hmm. start to to address some of them. Right, right. So the local communities, and they're all very different, and we knew that going into it, and that was really the purpose of building this local collaborative initiative, is that we know that Grangeville is much different than Idaho Falls, much different than Boise. Um, and so looking at when they did their local needs assessment, their local strategic plan, there are a lot of similarities, but at the same time, a lot of the, the activities that they wanted to do are very... Um, pointed to that community itself. So these dollars, um, there was a million dollars that was allocated for direct funds to local communities, um, but there was also the rest of the five million dollars were activities that would indirectly help these local communities, such as a Ready for Kindergarten program, which is a parent workshop uh, that helps parents learn how to play with purpose with their children that would have been offered to all of these, all the families within that community. Um, there's also a lot of professional development for child care providers, for parents, uh, for anyone who is working with or caring for young children. Um, those indirectly support these local collaboratives and local communities as well. So just a lot of different examples that would have helped. So now we're in a situation um, where we do have some private funding that we are continuing to help the local collaboratives and trying to navigate that. We will be doing some fundraising to help with that at all. And, and so we'll, we're taking all of the activities in the PDG and looking to see how we can salvage some of those to continue to build um, this uh, local collaborative model that we really feel like works perfectly in Idaho. So right now the goal is to try to figure out how to how to fill some of the needs that you found in the needs assessment mm -hmm. and it's a pretty wide swath of needs out there from community to community. I mean you have kind of mm -hmm. well-served communities and you have deserts. Right. Right, so looking at um, those gaps and opportunities and really focusing on those, uh, you know, for instance, uh, one community might, um, they may have uh, found in their needs assessment that they have a lack of childcare for working families, which supports child development and school readiness. Um, the quality of the programs within that are offered in those communities might not be up to par. So. The, these dollars would have helped improve the quality of programs within that community. Um, so yeah, it, it really is across the board. And again, we're going to try to try to figure this out and continue to work from them. We talk to them, you know, almost daily, and um, and they're really excited to get started. And we're also connecting them to 
um, other funding opportunities. And that, that was also the goal, is as we're building these local collaboratives, people talk about sustainability. The whole point of this was to build a bottom-up approach and we come in and we don't tell them what to do, we help them figure out how. Mm -hmm. And so one of those goals, one of the goals that we have is to help them become self-sustainable. Because I think oftentimes when you bring folks into a room and say, education, well the government should fund it, the government, you know, federal or state or whatever, we wanted to think out, help, we want to help them think outside the box. And that's why groups like IACI is involved and um, IBE and those business communities to help them really figure out this really strong public-private partnership so that they're not always looking to a government solution to this. That was another goal of, of the local clubs. What are these local collaboratives needing the most from you at this point? Is it... Uh, Funding? Is it identifying a funding source? Is it expertise? Um, it's all of the above. It's all of the above. And, and you will see in the uh, PDG renewal, again, a million dollars was going to directly fund um, these local collaboratives, whether it was um, helping them with spots or helping pay for a teacher or helping to um, do some planning around it. What we found out is that when we started this and started working with these communities, um, we didn't just write a check for $30,000 and say, go forth and prosper, because we know that that is never going to work. Um, and that was suggested this year during the session. You know, why don't we just take the million dollars and give it to the local collaboratives directly? Um, you can do that, but I can promise you that that's not going to that's not going to solve They're gonna the problem. They're going to be back in a year when the money's out. They're going to be back in a year and say, now what do we do? Right. So we were very, very strategic when we started this to, we have a guidebook. And, you know, it's a step one, step two, step three type thing. And one of the first things is build a governance structure. Who should be at the table? Because I think oftentimes when you bring folks together, they think about early, they think inside of a box in terms of education. Well, we should have a superintendent and an early childhood educator. <laughs> Who else? But what about your business economic person? What about um, some, some of the health support systems within your community? Really thinking outside. So identifying that governance structure is really, it sounds really basic, but it's things that communities just don't know or understand how to do that. And so we help them bring partners together. And then that opens up conversations around, we could do this, or this is what I'm seeing here, this is what I'm seeing here. Um, and then we also had them this first, this first year to receive direct dollars. And we did this on purpose. We had them come up with a 30% match. We had to come up with a 30% match for the grant. Um, but we had them do it. And the reason that we did that was to help them start thinking outside of where, what other dollars can support this. So it could be in-kind dollars, it could be a space, or it could be part of a teacher's time, or it could be furniture, it could be whatever. Um, but again, it's, it's a way to start thinking about other funding mechanisms outside of just government. Is the early education concept as controversial at the local level as it is at the state house? I'm just thinking at the local level, you've got parents who are looking for for something to do with their, their kids while they work. You've got mm -hmm. employers seeing this is an important mm -hmm. 
void in their in their employer in their employees world. You've got the education component. Is there controversy at the local level in spite of all of that? That is a really good question, and I would answer no. Because what we're seeing across the state is communities want to support families with young children. And remember that it's not just childcare or preschool, it's also families at home. And one of the biggest things that we found out through both our statewide and local needs assessment is families who are at home have the ability to be at home with their young children. They don't know where the resources are. They don't know. Um, they don't know how to effectively work with their children at home to help prepare them for school. And they're starving for this information. So, so many of the activities that we did the first year, as well as coming up, were geared towards really helping families first and foremost. So whether their children are at home with them or whether they're in a place outside of the home, whether preschool or childcare or whatever, um, those are the types of activities and resources that we wanted to focus on, and they were all starving for it. It is interesting to see local commissioners or mayors or city, you know, city councils or superintendents or whoever, all these folks coming to the table, um, and they truly want and need opportunities for early childhood education within their community. So it is interesting, though, how it changes once you look at it through the lens of the state. And how some of your local success stories, some of your longest standing local success stories are, you know, fairly politically communi conservative communities. I mean, it's Basin, it's Idaho City, it's it's Caldwell, it's, you know, it's 100%. red communities in red uh -huh. counties uh -huh. in a red state. So looking at this thing long term, and we've talked long We've talked for years about you know your your campaigns on this front. In the big picture, do you feel closer to where you want to end up, or further away after this session? I mean, you, you mentioned Ayaki's been a supporter and maybe more of a vocal supporter than than in the past. You've got a governor who's made this a part of his campaign about early reading skills. Do you feel closer to where you? Do you feel closer to the finish line or do you feel further away? Uh, I actually feel closer and I've talked to a couple of my colleagues about this. And, and the reason being, and one of the things that we were talking about, sort of reminiscing about this past session, is um, if, if we weren't known for making something happen or making movement, I honestly don't think that this would have happened. Um, I think that there is some threat somewhere that we are making progress in supporting early childhood education, whatever model that looks like. Um, I think that we are, we're, we're making that movement, and I think that that's one of the things that people that are opposed to anything early childhood education um, get a little scared, and I think that that's one of the reasons that they started coming after us was because they thought, hmm, they're making some things happen. We better stop this before it goes. Because, you know, like you said, we've talked about this for years. Um, but when we start, when we first got that Kellogg Foundation funding five years ago, I think it was what it was, um, that really started to change the dynamic of not only how we approached early childhood, but also how we engage at that local level and stop talking about it from the state level, but started looking at it from that local level. That's when we actually started seeing change. And I'll tell you, I mean, it is the conversation at the, in the local communities is bigger and better than it's ever been. So 
I think we're, we're making movements. It's just, we have a little bump in the road right here. <laughs> so, a little bump, but we're going to get past this bump because um, we're going to respond to the communities out there and their desires and their needs. Well, Beth, thank you for catching up with us and bringing us up to speed. Thank you so much, Kevin. It was good. Again, that was Beth Oppenheimer, the Executive Director of the Idaho Association for the Education of Young Children. That'll wrap it up for the podcast this week. By the time you're listening to this on Friday, June 4th, I will be on the road for my first out-of-state trip since the pandemic. I'm pretty excited about that. Heading over to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Going to run a half marathon just outside of Grand Teton National Park, so you know I'm excited about that as well. Whatever your weekend entails, I hope you have a good one, and I hope you have a safe one. And I hope you keep checking us out at idahoednews.org. Even though it's summer, we've got a lot of education news, education policy, and education politics that we'll be following on a daily basis. So check us out on the homepage. Uh, follow us on Twitter at idahoednews. We will uh, tweet out any bulletins and breaking news as it happens. Follow us on Facebook and join the conversation there and check back next Friday for another edition of this podcast. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Stay safe and have a good week. Mm -hmm.